The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Today on the Boston Podcast, fans of the New York Jets suddenly like their chances. Isn't that adorable? Maybe they'll win seven games. Meanwhile, fans of the Giants are lamenting a loss of their star wide receiver. Hey, maybe David Tyree is available. And are we still allowed to like Michael Jackson's music? We aren't. Tito, get me a tissue. All that and more. Let's start the show. This is our fucking CD. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? It's Dave here on the Boston Podcast, the voices of your city, the stories of your city, and the podcast where we tell you what you should be listening to and thinking about and talking about and all that stuff. And as I regularly do, I graciously and magnanimously invite a New York voice onto this very program. And it's none other than Michael Milt Wolf, my longtime buddy, my enemy lines partner. How are you, my friend? This being Milt. This being Milt. <laughs> How often do you get that? No, no one calls me Milt except for a handful of uh, of, of uh, ex college buddies, if you will. But that's you know where that's and from, that's right? The crime. Yeah, well, it's from ba- it's from the movie Bachelor Party, which I think is that one. Is of- correct. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people that movie gets forgotten. I think doesn't it? Oh, completely. Well, yeah. Tom Hanks would like that movie to be forgotten. What was it so bad? I think it was. Uh, uh, it's, it's a sex comedy. As the guy's Ron an Oscar-winning Academy Award legend. You I, know, he needs. He doesn't want his sex comedy on the front page of his uh, of his uh, Wikipedia page. Don't forget where you come from, man. That's all I have to say about that. No, he he. Yeah, but that, but yeah, that, I thought that. that I thought that movie was as raunchy comedies go. It was clever. Like it was. It, That's like, true. It like, was uh, the pantheon. It was the pinnacle of that category, right? Yeah. Well, it's up there. I mean you'd get argument from the fast times fans but like when hanks was just doing tom hanks things like when he's cooking dinner for his fiance and he's just kind of randomly throwing stuff in well hey a meal of the century looks like it's just about ready so it's uh, time for spice yes it's spice time and the lucky spice is <gasps> paprika thank you thank you thank you find me the happiest spice in the world it's a veritable you win for dinner here, so Swedish meatballs. Hunger, hunger, Olga. Ooh, there we are. Two, three. Ah, vino. A little vino would be kino. <laughs> Want some wine? Paprika. Oh, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. You know, I mean, he he threw in a lot of cool Tom Hanksy things. So it wasn't just boobs. Although there was there were boobs. If I if Tony Katane, I mean Tony Katane. There was a Tony Katane moment, right? Exactly. One of her, find one it. of her yeah, two. The White Snake. Video. Yeah, that, and that, and that's how we heard about Tony Katane. Thanks for coming. Thanks for playing Tony. Right? Did she do anything else? I don't think so. Not that I know of. I can't remember. Well, she took out her stiletto heel and stabbed Chuck Finley in a car once. That that, that was not her finest moment. Correct. Yes. And she had a nip slip in the White Snake video, which didn't notice. Yeah. And which my my you know adolescent self thought that was high culture at its finest. It was like going to the art museum, except with Tony Katane's <laughs> nipples. That's when you explored the the limits of slow motion on the VCR. You know, slow, slow, yeah. slow. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, we do what? this thing called Enemy Lines. We talk about New York, Boston things, and because I have a fancy intro, I'm going to play it. The time has come to introduce you to Enemy Lines. Five, four, three, two, I love New York City. The reason I live in New York City is because it's the loudest city on the planet Earth. It's so loud, I never have to listen to any of the shit that's going on in my head. Yankees suck! Yankees suck! Three-run home run for Bucky Dick. Red Sox never let you down. Baratek and A-Rod going at it. How do you like them apples? Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Did they do that in spring training? So he's like a he's a pariah now in Yankee land. Because of the you know, Marlins he, thing? Or? Yeah, he's running the Marlins. Right. And all this news is kind of, kind of coming out of him being kind of a Prima Donna during, not Prima Donna, but he didn't get along with management of the Yankees towards the end of his reign. And, right. Um, they, he, they were pissing him off because he, he didn't think he was getting the respect that he deserved when he was basically a 38-year-old average middle infielder. But yep. I don't know, people, uh, he, and he doesn't show up for all the old-timer stuff now because he's basically wearing another uniform. Which Is this, seriously? That's, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame because yeah, I mean all of his teammates, mm-hmm. all of his ninety, you know, the, the the late the run in the late nineties. All these guys are being honored and showing up, and and you know they're getting heroes welcomes and enjoying sort of their legend years. And he's just not there. Mm-hmm. It's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so. forget. I just I just heard some footage from uh, maybe you know I can't remember where I saw it, but it was some footage of someone discussing about them being acquired by the Yankees. Not, not a not a current player. It was like there was a remembrance. And this player said, uh, it's like when you put on the Yankee pinstripes, you become immortal. And I was thinking, unless you're, thir- <laughs> unless you're Thurman Munson. Oh! Uh-oh. You're too throwing soon? Thurman jokes too, too into soon? the podcast. Well, not as many can people I, remember Corey. Is this, is this Corey thing on? Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Got to go. Bad connection. It's All right. too soon. It's too soon. How about Corey Lytle? Remember the genius <laughs> yeah. who flew okay, his plane into funny. a building for for non political yeah, reasons, sad. for no reasons. All right, let's <laughs> stop making fun of dead people. All right, so what what, what do you want to talk about first? We got sports. We got New York Boston sports. I can't believe. Yeah, I mean, we got. I can't believe it, but we got to talk about football. Dude. Yeah. The, the NFL now is sort of a twelve month a year news machine, and yeah. with the free agent, have you ever seen a free agency period open? Like this one, where it felt like before the even free agency law, it was like the tampering period, whatever yeah. that means. Well, right. I mean, I, yeah. In 24 hours, it was insane. I, I honest to God, I think somebody um, asked me, how come the Patriots haven't signed anybody yet? And I said, the free agency hasn't started yet. It's tomorrow. Like, <laughs> if, there was one GM, if there was one GM out there who like decided, you know, no, we're not supposed to do anything. I'm just going to wait. You know, we're supposed to wait till Wednesday, right. and then <laughs> and misses every single player who signs Monday and Tuesday. Because but I'm playing by the rules. Right. Yeah. So uh, a lot of hot stove stuff. A lot of hot football hot stove stuff. By the way, I, I'm one of these people that uses the expression hot stove. I'm not sure what it means. Except you're talking about a sport <laughs> in the off season. But why is that hot stove? Maybe it's a baseball yeah. term. You have to fire up the hot stove because it's cold. And you're t- I'm just making shit up. Anyway, so the, you want to get right. Brown burned the Steelers. That's why burned them. Burned them hard. So you're excited about uh, Bell? Yeah, I mean the, the Jets. I mean the Jets. <laughs> you're supposed to be the Jets excited have now. So many problems. 
Yeah. Look, I am excited. I want to be clear. You're excited whenever your team gets better, right? Right. And there was a minute last week where it looked like the Jets were signing everybody. They were getting Bell. They were getting two linebackers. They were getting a great center. They were locking everything up. Yep. It didn't come together. They lost a couple of guys that they wanted. But look, there are a lot of people that I know that aren't excited about Le'Veon Bell, that he's well, they thought he was going to be too expensive, that he hasn't played for a year, he's a malcontent, whatever. Yep. Look, he's a playmaker for a team that hasn't had a playmaker in I don't know how long. Right. Seriously, can you in the years you've been watching Patriots-Jets games, yep. can you name the last Jets playmaker? Brandon uh, Marshall, I guess, maybe? Um... Uh, uh, no. Curtis Martin for crying out loud. I mean, <laughs> Wayne, the, the, Wayne Corbett, Wayne Corbett. I was trying Wayne to think Corbett. of good. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Eric T- Decker. Yeah. Tim Tebow for a while. <laughs> yeah. That was exciting. That was, that's, t- that's brilliant. Jets strategy. My joke. Before. Johnny Lamb Jones just passed away, by the way. Do you remember Johnny Lamb Jones? Johnny Lamb. I do. Yeah. He'll be missed. He was another Jets first round draft pick, total bust. What did? But, how did he die? Was it concussive related know. syndrome, like uh, Wayne Corbett, who has to um, uh, use a GPS to get home, otherwise he gets lost, which is sad. Oh, is that <laughs> true? Is yeah, Corbett? it's true. Corbett's did, messed up. Oh, oh yeah, he was, he, there are stories about him. And that didn't your boy Altoon retire because he kept kept yeah, getting hit in the head? I think the I think the Jets need strong, yeah. stronger helmets. <laughs> I think or better, or better quarterbacks, more likely. No, but look, yeah. we've we've got Le'Veon Bell. You got to figure that helps the entire offense. With Sam Darnold now has an outlet. The receivers who are not A list receivers but are B list receivers now could find more room. I remember the, now. I remember the funny thing. Line. Now I remember the funny thing I was going to say. You had you asked me last time you had a play, playmaker. Blair Thomas was electric, wasn't he? Great. Blair it's Thomas. a joke. Blair Thomas. Blair Thomas ran sideways. Yeah. It was amazing. It's like he thought like football was played at right angles. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to run all the way over there to the side, and then I'm going to go forward. It, it is a he funny. It more than it. Yeah, it is a funny mode of thinking, and I think it's cowardly. Yeah, because you because you, you can't run straight ahead because there were people there. So look, I can run over here. I'm gonna figure out how to get the other direction uh, somewhere later in this play, and then the, the, he gets swarmed under. Uh, the Patriots got Blair. A Bla- tactic. Yeah, the play- Patriots got Blair Thomas after the Jets let him go. He was equally as as uh, f- uh, fascinating. Wait, for he the, was for a the Patriot. Play. I don't remember. Yeah, for that. one for that one was season. Obviously pre pre Belichick. I think it was might have been Pete Carroll era. Yeah. No. Uh, so actually, yeah, pre Belichick, post Parcells. Say that five times fast. So you got Le'Veon Bell. So this, it's, this is it's no. Come on. I mean, it, may, it. People are saying the Jets are relevant. How many games did you win this year? Five, six, four. So oh. that's the thing. You you know you were joking that oh maybe we'll win seven games. That's that's a huge <laughs> improvement. No, you got to win eight. Am I if you be excited about that, you got to win eight. If you win eight, then it's a step in the right direction. But I don't know. This is the the. the uh, you know the NFL. It's it's one reason reason why it's great. You can go from being completely shitty to completely relevant. Like the Browns, the Browns last year sh- should have made the playoffs if their if their kicker gets a fucking act together. I had money on them a couple times, um, and uh, so why not? You're 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 well, uh, you're, you're a wounded Jets fan, right? I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this year mm-hmm. two four and twelve teams from the previous season made the playoffs. This is what I'm saying. Two. 
Well, wait, so who were they? The Jets are one of, I think, I can't remember all of a sudden, okay. but I was I was listening to this on the radio. But um, do I think the Jets are a playoff team yet? No, but we're going in the right direction while the other New York team is inexplicably just ending their interest in playing professional football. So Odell, which is just bizarre. Yeah, so Odell to the Browns, they, they must be giddy with uh, the kid throwing to Odell. Who's the QB's name? I forgot already. Baker uh, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. God, yeah, David. Baker throwing. That that's uh, that's exciting. They just got even more exciting, right? And so and uh, the, the wait the Giants they let Odell go and then they let somebody else go too, didn't they? Landon Collins, yeah. uh, Olivier Vernon. So their defense has been dismantled while they just, in essence, traded their best player on offense for future draft picks. They have they got- possibly the worst veteran quarterback of the league starting still you know all due respect to Eli you can't you you can't assume that he can still be a productive playoff driven professional quarterback you're the Patriots fan you have different feelings about Eli but well I always say he he Son of a bitch beat us twice and fair and square. And I mean, it was really amazing coaching and amazing defense that won those Super Bowls. But, you know, I mean, Brady was not spectacular in his first year as a Super Bowl winning QB. And yet I say, you know, give him the credit, you know. And so he beat the Patriots. twice. It's, It's an amazing feat. And I thought it was enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. But I have a prediction here. This is a bold prediction. Eli will not make the Hall of Fame. And the reason why is when he retires, I don't I think people don't realize this. When he retires, he will have a losing record as as the starting QB. And oh and, and, and I, and that's I, terrible. Yeah. And I don't know if any we'd have to look at like Joe Namath and people. I don't know if there's a QB in the Hall of Fame with the losing record. That's that's kind of a tough sell, isn't it? That's a very, very tough sell. Yeah. And again, I mean he's a Giants legend and will always be that. But yep. you're right. I mean, maybe that and by the way, Giants fans are the worst. Giants fans are for for the last. They, they two live years, and walk among you. To, you have to, you have to live with them. They scream yeah. about how much they hate Odell Beckham. We gotta uh, we gotta get rid of this cancer. He's a cancer <laughs> on our team. We gotta get rid of it. What a what a jerk. Did He's you see? What, us down. Did you see what he said? He said actually on Twitter. He said, "I'm actually not a cancer. I'm a Sagittarius." I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then and then they trade him, and this week they're also like, "Oh, wait a minute, we're not that. We're, why did we trade Odell? What the? What are we doing? Right. We didn't get. We didn't get. Giants? Right, we didn't get enough. Where are my Giants? Yeah, <laughs> it's idiotic. I mean, it, and I'm laughing. I mean, it's typical sports radio culture, but you cannot think that you are better off without Odell Beckham on your team. You just you're not. You're just not, and what the hall? At least they got a better hall for him than than the Steelers got for Antonio Brown. They did get a first round draft pick. They got uh, an ex first round draft pick who's that safety uh, Jabril Peppers, I think is his name. So they got something, but mm-hmm. God, to be a Giants fan, I mean, for the first time in a long, long time, I am much more excited about being a Jets fan than the thought of of thinking of the New York Giants. And meanwhile, if you don't mind my asking, yep. what the hell are the Patriots doing? Oh, we're doing pa- we're doing Patriot things. By the way, just to finish the thought, our crack uh, stat team here at the Boston Podcast Network has unearthed the following: in regular season games, Eli Manning is one sixteen and one fourteen. 
He is exactly Ooh. two games over 500. So, the, oh, so man. he should have retired, man. He still got a chance. Oh, Ret- Ret- retire now. Yeah, retire now. Because I was, I was of the camp that would say you can't put the 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 quarterback in the Hall of Fame that's got one random Super Bowl win. Like Mark, hello, Mark Rippin. Like we're not going to put you in the Hall of Fame. No offense, but right. but but with two, two. and two over uh, beating the and I think the situation matters beating the team that is the best of its generation uh, twice. And uh, there you go. Anyway, so but but he's it's in risk. Uh, what are the Patriots doing? We're doing little Patriot things. It's funny the the um, somebody had posted, uh, I don't know if it was a tweet or on a website or whatever it was, it said, um, great job, Belichick. You just let uh, two of our marquee players walk without a fight. And so referring to um, uh, the offensive lineman. Trey Flowers. No, Trey Flowers and Malcolm Brown. Okay. So, Jesus, I need stronger coffee. Trey Flowers and Malcolm Brown. (laughs) And um, that was followed by a barrage of people tweeting this person back saying, uh, first time as a Patriots fan? Like, uh, well, hey, welcome. Must be fun being uh, never having seen a Patriot Patriot season before. Um, there was no way in hell they were going to keep either one of those players given what they were going to be offered. Now, the worst thing you can say about them is they should have seen this ahead of time and not let them go to free agency. But, uh, you know, Trey Flowers is great. He's not – Lawrence Taylor and uh, Malcolm Brown is not John Hanna. And so um, this is what they do. They let them walk. They take advantage of the cap space and they sign a dozen guys who you've never heard before. <laughs> and it, and it works. Now we do have Michael Bennett. It works. I mean, we do. We yeah, did, we Michael did. Bennett was a good, a, a good play. Yeah. I think that, and, that feel, but you know, you, maybe you don't feel like this when you're, when you're in it, you know, listening, reading Dan Shaughnessy and, listening to Boston talk radio, but the rest of the league and the rest of the country knows that whatever it is the Patriots are doing is the right thing. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny because the names are always being subtracted from the Patriots. Nothing's ever being really added that anybody's paying notable attention to. Right. But whatever, you know, you know, that moment when Trey flower signs, you kind of go, huh? Yeah. Well, they know what they're doing. And that's it. And you just assume they're making all the right moves while Belichick is sitting on a beach with his girlfriend. Well, the, the yeah, the only frustrating part as a Patriots fan is you get these players that, like, had you heard of Trey Flowers, like, before his career? Like, was he some can't-miss pro? He was no. just a guy. He was just a guy. And then he a couple years go by, and he's blossoming in the Patriots system. And then and that's the point where the, and he wins the Super Bowl, and that's the point where they leave. They uh, And they all leave. You know, they either get traded um, because the contract is too big or they just walk. And and so it's just kind of nice to be the team. What's frustrating is you kind of you, you you get attached to these players and they're fun and everything. And then, you know, Danny Amendola and then he's gone, although he might come back. But but um, but as a fan of someone who, you know, obviously that your goal is to see championships, it's a tried and true. It's a, it's a tried and true formula that they fall. And, you know, it's so some NFL GMs think that they are baseball GMs. Now, in baseball, you can literally o- overpay for pay more than market value for a player that is great, and it can work out for you, right? Of course. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. In football, it's it can kill you. Like in baseball, can't necessarily kill you. I mean, it can hurt your bottom line of your business, but fans don't give a shit about that. But in football, there's a salary cap. And it make, so it makes a, a huge difference. And also, by the way, there's 50 players on the roster. In baseball, there's only 25, and there's only nine players on the field. And so you can get, you know, Bryce Harper, and you can make a huge difference. But 
short of a QB, you're not. It's someone's not going to turn your your you know franchise around, right? Has it ever happened? The, the Jets are that team. The you Jets so? are the team <laughs> to sign the guy yeah. like the fantasy manager who looks good on paper. He's a name, and he's getting paid ungodly sums of money. And usually, not always, but almost always, disappoints. Last year, we signed this back named Trumaine Johnson, who was supposed to be the best back on the market, just sensational, generational talent. He was terrible. I mean, now he got hurt. I don't even remember this guy. Was was he a rookie? He wasn't a rookie. No, no. The rookies are different, as we talked about. I'm talking about free agent signings. I just never heard of him. He was. He is the exact example of a okay. guy that <laughs> yeah. Bill Belichick would have let go as soon yeah. as he was ready to earn real money. And the Jets, they love those guys because they, the way to transcend that process is to draft well. Yep. If you can draft well, although the Patriots, you can argue, other than Tom Brady, aren't masters of the draft, but they they're decent. But if you draft well, you don't have to go out and sign the big names. And if you don't, then you can afford to sign the under-the-radar talent that Bill Belichick always seems to find on the free agent market. And, that's, and it's, yeah. it's a system. And Yeah, I mean, oh, he, God. the thing is, it's not it's not like he he hasn't exactly split the atom. He's not, as 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 Joe Theismann would say, uh, Bill Belichick's not a genius. A genius is a guy like Norman Einstein. But, but he, but he had, in other words, others must know this thing, like this thing where Belichick doesn't want to be in the top 10 in the draft. And uh, people said, well, it'd be nice if maybe he wanted like a really good player once in a while. And it's like, no, it's not that he doesn't want a really good player. He'll take, he'd probably be very happy taking any of the top 10 players, but not for what it's going to cost him on the cap. And he just knows there's going to yep. be a shitload more value. And there's huge and there's huge risk in taking those. And how look at how many of them crap out. And so like, why bother? Like go for the value picks below and work them into your system and then wait and wait and be patient and then pounce when you got a chance at like a Randy Moss, you know? And uh, so on and on it goes. He's a mad scientist and I hate it. And and this is the continuation. Look, I am summing up. Yeah. I look at what the Jets have done and I look at what the Patriots haven't done and I say, huh, we bridged the gap. But based on past experiences, we're not going to know until they take the field and until the coaches match up and we see how they utilize the resources they have. Mm -hmm. And I like the Jets' chances to improve, but boy, you know, it's a big gap. And until the Patriots collapse, which we all think is going to happen any day now, there's not a ton of hope for the Jets to be that surprise team. But but fuck it. I mean, it's it's better. (laughs) It's better. Yeah, it's, I gotta it's, take what I can take. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be you know 25 percent more excited on opening day because you know they're gonna give the ball to Le'Veon Bell, and he's gonna do that stupid thing where he hesitates and they'll look at that hesitation like he invented something. <laughs> he invented the stopping moving. Congratulations. Right, he's not right. Barry fucking Sanders. Okay, he's good. He's good. He's better than uh, any of our any of our Let's see how Le'Veon feels running behind the Jets line, which is not the same as running behind the Steel Curtain. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited. I'm more than 25%. I'm okay. 50%. Oh, nice. More excited. Yeah. But, but my expectations are reasonable. And um, yeah, it's not It's not playoffs or bust in 2019 for this team. It's just not. It's just get better. Get <laughs> yep. better. That's a good headline there. Local man That's says expectations. boring. Re- Local man says expectations reasonable for Jets season.
<laughs> that's what we get. That's right. what we get. But no, who knows? Anything going on in uh, baseball? Should we talk what? about baseball? Really? Yeah. Absolutely. And okay. you want to know what it is? What is it? Absolute, complete, and utter redemption. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> the Yankees and the Red Sox faced off in an ever-important game in spring training on Saturday. I'm not lying when I say I have no idea what happened. Go ahead. ahead. The Yankees dominated and (laughs) triumphed with a a almost embarrassing 14-to-1 score that wiped out anything that happened to happen in the playoffs (laughs) next year. It is complete. Oh, my God. Sweet revenge. The narrative has been wiped clean. The Yankees have restored their dominance. It's... It's as if 2018 did not take place. Sweet, Done. We're sweet, back. Yeah, sweet revenge for the – what was the score of the playoff game when Brock Holt hit for the cycle <laughs> and you had some no, no, poor no, you had some no, poor no, position no, player in there? It's over? That's what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, that's not, it's, it's been wiped That clean. never happened. What <laughs> happened is four, New York Yankees 14, Boston Red Sox won, Saturday spring training dominance. Very Literally nice. sets up for what's, what's to come. Clearly, what uh, I, I assume someone more talented and smarter than us has already done this. But what, if you had to assemble a list of the five most meaningful things that ever happened in spring training, I wonder what they would be. I can't think. I can barely think of one. What I ever? Can, yeah, ever. Well, it's usually bad things. It's bad things. It's like, when people like a get season hurt. engine injury. I can't even think of one of them. Which, I'm sure it had happened. Yeah. And the Yankee. Oh yeah, definitely. That's definitely happened in spring training before. I think it happened last year. Didn't um. Corey Seager on the Dodgers end up getting hurt in spring training and lose, and he was huge for that team. I'll take your word for um, it. I wonder who's I the. Remember. I wonder who's like spring training or early season. I wonder who the uh, home run career home run leader is for spring training home runs. It's probably someone it's like spring training. it's probably like Tuffy Rhodes or someone. Remember Tuffy uh, Rhodes? Tuffy. Oh, Carl yeah. Tuffy Rhodes. Well, he had that first big game. Yeah, he hit the three home runs in the first two games of the season, then was never heard from again. Yeah, and um, it was interesting throwing f- fantasy yeah, baseball leagues into a tizzy because a lot because a exactly. lot of the yeah. Well, I don't know if you still. I, I haven't actually done fantasy baseball in a couple of years, but there used to be this tradition where you actually drafted like three or four days after the season had already started. Do you remember that? Correct. Did you do that? Yeah, 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 and those stats would count. They would count, you know, so you could um, you could so, pay for the right. stats, but but f- um, you know, caution the fool who puts too much stock into those few days, right? It never ever works. It never out worked. You do that. I, mean, I haven't done that for a while either. Um, so tough. Yeah, Tuffy Rhodes hit don't, hit three home runs on opening day, and I think like seven the rest of the whole year or something like that, right? And people paid a fortune for me. Oh, it's Tuffy. Yeah, Tuffy Rhodes. Do you, like me- do you remember the other guy who once did that? Three home runs on on opening day, and then was barely heard from again. Mm. Baltimore slugger that? Sam Horn. Sam Horn. Sam Horn, I mean, the legend, former Red Sox cast off. And then cast off by everybody. What are you sliding on your table over there? By the oh, way, I, I keep just, hearing this. Do I keep doing sound. that? That? Yeah, that? Yeah, that. I've heard that throughout this whole podcast. That our listeners my, think you're like running through a tunnel. It's my coffee cup. It's my uh, Yeti. I recommend this, by the way, and they're not sponsors of the show. Do you have trouble having keeping your coffee warm after more than seven minutes? Try the Yeti aluminum, hard, heavy duty piece of. No, it's it's it. This is actually very good. It's a it's a yeti. It's it's the only problem is it doesn't fit in the cup holder in the car, which is which is a tragedy, of course. Um, by the it way, also so makes sound when you're sliding it across the desk. Fi- okay, I'm going to stop it's doing very that. Fi- annoying. Final, although 
you you are hearing the microphone that I've plugged in my computer. Our listeners don't care about this, but the the microphone that our listeners are listening to me through is the good one. You're getting me through the shitty microphone. So that's it just kind of shows you where you rate. Um, I, I just had this thought. It, it shows how pathetic like um, certain geek baseball fans and particularly fantasy baseball fans are. It, I just had – if you had to – you probably can remember one. I don't know. I remember my – my finest, proudest moment in fantasy baseball, and it was a day when a certain player hit six home runs in one week and 20 RBI in one week. Now, that's a fucking monster week, right? And everybody knows home runs are worth more than anything else, which they aren't, but they're more fun, right? And uh, this guy was on the Padres. Can you guess who it was? You'll never guess. The Padres? Yeah, it was circa 1997 or call it 96. I don't know. I was thinking like Mark Reynolds, but that's too late. Who no. was it? Phil Plantier. Phil, <laughs> Phil Plantier. Oh, the former, former. He had a run. Yeah, well. He might have been an all-star for a couple of years. Was he really? I have to, we'll have to look that up. But he hits, and I remember, remember the baseball, you remember, of course, Baseball Weekly that used to come out, put out by USA Today. Oh, I assume yeah. it's, it's, it's long gone. But, um, you know, there might have been the days just on the cusp of the Internet or before we were getting all the stats on the Internet. So I would always look for the weeks, the weekly stats, six home runs and 20 RBI. It was, I mean, I celebrated all day, champagne, the whole thing. He was, he was the Red Sox. Didn't they trade him for somebody in a yeah. huge trade? He was one of the ones that was in that Derek, Derek Bell. Derek Bell, I maybe. I can't remember maybe. Who was in that. I'll look, I'll look that up in a minute. Well, he, was, but, he was drafted by the Red Sox, but he was part yeah. of some blockbuster. But anyway, yeah, we were upset when um, we let him go. I I'll, I'll look up who we traded him for, but um, that was the the, the other cool thing about fan well cooler doubly nerdy thing about fantasy baseball is you know when you when a player got traded from the team you rooted for, you could still have him on your fan. He's still on my fantasy team. <laughs> 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 I admit. Do you still play? to the geekiness of fantasy sports. I don't play fantasy baseball. I play fantasy football religiously. Um, fantasy baseball, I gave up a couple of years ago. It's a lot of work. I just yeah, you know, I agree. Feel like doing it. And anymore. it's funny when fantasy football sort of came along, like Johnny come lately to the fantasy thing. I, I I remember thinking, well, yeah, it's okay, but you only get to do it once a week, and it's completely flipped. I agree with you. It's like oh, it's so it's, much better. Yeah, so much better. Yeah. Now, uh, let me let me talk to you a little bit. Wait, you well, gotta, let's finish this. Okay, can you hold oh, a thought? Because okay. our listeners want to know about Phil Plantier. Um, oh, please. Yeah. Uh, he finished eighth in Rookie of the Year voting in a partial season, hit 11 home runs and 35 run by Unable to repeat his rookie performance in 1992, was traded to the San Diego Padres during the following offseason. It doesn't say who he got traded for. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. Um, yeah, did, 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 uh, 34 home runs for the Padres. You're thinking of the trade from the Padres, I think, to the Astros. Uh, he was oh, he was it. in an 11-player off-season, off-season trade. Good yes. memory, Mills. Um, that's the one. Ken Caminiti and Steve Finley to San Diego while sending Derek Bell to Houston. Ken Caminiti had two suitcases, one for his clothes and one for his steroids. Uh, it doesn't say that here. I made that up. But he was definitely one of those. <laughs> he was one of those juicer guys because – um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, he was like a Remember regular him? guy, yeah. and then boom. Yeah, he was like yeah. the, he looked mm-hmm. like the Incredible Hulk. Okay, you have something you need to tell me. Please go. Well, it's not a need, but it's just an interesting thing. You know, I don't know if you've glanced. There's no reason to ever glance at spring training sta- standings, but right. maybe there is. Maybe there is. So uh, in the, what is it, the Grapefruit League, the Yankees actually have the best record in the league, and the Red Sox have the worst. Red Sox are 7-13. and 13. 
Yankees are 11 and 6. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything, yeah. right? Go on. Take a look at last year's spring training standings. Yep. Which team <laughs> led the Grapefruit League with a dominant 22 and 9 spring training record? Yep. The Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So maybe this is what it's come there's to. There's an omen to be working with here. Yeah. Maybe. The- there's an omen, and the omen is grasping. the omen is we have no life if we are comparing past year spring training records. We've become Newman and Kramer That's on the Merv Griff on the Merv Griffin set with, uh, Look, with Newman here. talking I gotta, about. I got it, and beans. you know the Yankees are kind of falling apart a little bit. Luis Severino is now potentially much more hurt than they thought he was. Aaron Hicks is missing the beginning of the season because of his back. The Yankees' best. Prospect outfielder Estevan Florial broke his wrist yesterday and is out indefinitely. You know there are a bunch of reasons why you can't, uh, why you shouldn't pay attention. Spring training is kind of an interesting thing because there's there's no real comparison in other sports. I know they play preseason games in football and basketball, but like spring training is a thing because it's in warm weather. Because um, and then the other weird dynamic is that, you know, there are so many players and sometimes it's a split squad and sometimes it's like all minor league players. You go, um, But I heard something recently that's kind of interesting. It's like a guy can have an awesome spring and hit, you know, 10 home runs or whatever and then still be left in the minors. And the question is, well, the guy was cranking. Why didn't they bring him up? And the, the answer I heard was he's swinging against like, you know, uh, 88 mile an hour fastballs down the middle because a lot of pitchers will take, you know, they'll pick their spot. They won't necessarily throw those pitches strategically as they would in the regular season. And maybe they'll just go out and f- throw just fastballs one day. I don't know. Does this sound familiar? Am I making this up? I don't know. You know, yeah, you, you know no, what I'm saying? Of course. They're Not to mention against regular pitching. Right. But. But even the even the, the good pitchers team, aren't necessarily they're like trying some shit out like they're not even necessarily trying to get everybody stuff. right yeah you do not pay attention to individual player stats the key thing for major leaguers is to get through spring training in one piece don't get hurt that's yeah. really all you care about when it comes to spring training there's some guys battling for jobs and young players trying to show up and all this stuff I don't care about any of it I just want my players to get through and now for the first time the Yankees look like they're not getting through spring training healthy. Yep. And right now, the Yankees have three of their starters healthy on day one of the regular season coming in a couple weeks. That's not good. We've got mm-hmm. two young guys that, like, you know, Luis Sessa and Domingo Herman, who are going to be pitching starting games for the first month of the season. That's not the way you want to roll. Not right. at all. Right. And so it's my, you know, it's my typical negativity. And that's like the Yankees team. The spring training report from Milton Dave, (laughs) which we could have done in 10 minutes. We we made, I think we made this joke last year on the podcast, but maybe didn't include it because it wasn't as funny as we thought it was going to be. But here's every spring training report from, from uh, local news. It's like, uh, let's go down to uh, Bob Whitaker, who is down in Florida covering the Reds. Oh, Bob, how's the weather down there? Ho, ho, ho. Oh, how is it up there? I heard it's snowing. Ho, ho. I hope it's not too heavy when you're shoveling today. Ha, ha, ha. Yes, it's a beautiful 80 degrees here. And uh, the Red Sox are loosening up, and they're really getting ready for the season. You know, this veteran just showed up. He's in the 
best uh, shape of his career. He says he just looks great. Um, this player from the Dominican Republic hasn't shown up yet. Visa problems. They expect him within a few days. Back to you. There it is. Spring training in a nutshell. Thank you. That's it. I just crapped my underwear. <laughs> is that part of it? Those are the no, fans, I the elderly fans. To throw that in there. I okay. feel like that's something that you could actually say during a spring training report, and people might not even notice. Yeah. They've tuned out because nobody cares. Yeah, you could call the whole game in Swahili and no one would notice. Uh, so It's also possible that I just crap my underwear and you have no interest. <laughs> uh, oops, he crapped his pants. Let's. Uh, should we go on to, to good stuff? Should we uh, not keep listening? You want to take a quick break? Okay, let's take a quick break. When we return on the Boston Podcast, we're going to do good stuff, which means... Do you want some hints and clues and suggestions as to what you should be binging and listening to and paying attention to on the internet? Well, stay tuned, because good stuff is coming up next on the Boston Podcast. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing, and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seem so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name. Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast, one we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod617.com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. Thousands of people received our podcast, spraying it all over their Oh, oh Jesus <laughs> Christ. And we're back on the Boston Podcast, talking with my buddy, Milt Michael Wolf in New York, as we do our Enemy Line segment, Boston versus New York. And uh, neither New one York. of us has New York. We haven't called each other assholes yet. Maybe that's to come. Stay tuned where we call each other assholes. Actually, no. We're up to the point of the program where we give you good stuff, stuff you should be listening to, binging and consuming. Let's do good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Now, you already know what mine is because I, I actually sent this to you just a couple of days ago. Yes. But, um... Uh, Dave and I are both big fans of um, of mashups, which are, you know, they're not trendy and cool anymore, but there's still people doing some really very, very cool work. And a friend of mine from high school actually sent me one. It's not new. It came out, I think, a year ago. Mm -hmm. But a guy named uh, DJ Cumberbund did a mashup that you can find on YouTube. Just search for um, mashups or even just DJ Cumberbund. It's C-U-M-M-E-R-B-U-N-D. He put together a mashup, and for those of you who don't know what mashups are, they basically are taking samples from um, individual songs and pushing them all together to, in essence, reinvent the songs by combining things that wouldn't ordinarily 
fit together. And this is a perfect example of that. He takes Earth, Wind, and Fire and Ozzy Osbourne. He's named this, uh, this is Earth, Wind, and Ozzy. Earth, Wind, and Ozzy. And creates a version of Crazy Train that completely reinvents the song. And you you saw this, right? Yeah, let's, let's, let's take a little listen to it here. Here we go. When you're listening to this, you know, Crazy Train is, is like a song with like menace and grit and it's nasty and right. dirty and angry, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you're listening to it in this context with Earth, Wind, and Fire in the background. It's happy. Yeah. It's joyful. You wanna you wanna dance. Yeah. It, it is yeah. a perfect example of what a mashup should do, which is it takes two songs that you think you know already, puts them together, and it creates an entirely new thing. And I, I this is one of the best two song mashups I've ever heard in my life and I love it I've played it about 50 times since I found it uh, since it was sent to me about a week ago what did w- you would think? you say it improves upon both songs or do you not even measure it that way you know what I mean yeah no I don't th- it's not like a cover song that way I feel like it's right. about creating a third thing a third an entirely thing, right. new thing because yeah I really don't it's not supposed to make it better. It's supposed to make it new. Right. And, and that's what it did. And and to those who might think something like this is gimmicky, um, you know, remember that almost all of art is derivative of something else, you know? And so there's, to me, I'm with you, that not to get too esoteric or, or uh, you know, uh, philosophical about this. But honest, scholarly, yeah. but but it is... There is certainly an art form to doing this, and he picked the perfect two. Uh, I don't care for his name, DJ Cummerbund, but we'll, another yeah. subject for another day, I guess. Um, the the video the video the video I can take really because a lot of these mashups, what they do is they they mix videos, so it, it sort of kind of looks like they're both playing the song and it's playing together or something. And that might have been started by who was the guy who did the Gray album? Um, it, it was like um, uh, Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse was it? Danger Mouse? Yeah, Danger Mouse. So he took. Um, uh, wasn't it? Or, no. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe there's I'm a wrong. Danger Mouse and then there's a Dead Mouse. I get. I think you're right. I think it was DJ Danger Mouse. But I think I'm right. Yeah, I think you're right. So what he did was he took, um, you know, the Beatles White Album and and uh, Jay Z's Black Album, and mashed up a lot of the songs. And the signature one that he had on there was a mix of. Um, What's the Jay Z song when he's like, uh, "Can I? Oh, encore! Can I get an encore?" Right, and mixed yeah. it with the yeah. Beatles' "Glass Onion." And the video was actually kind of clever because it showed. The Beatles getting ready to play on the Ed Sullivan show, and then all of a sudden, like something happened in the control room where, like, the fiendishly clever Jay Z had like hacked into the board at the Ed Sullivan show, and now you had this mashup. Um, the one I, I can do without the video with uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire mixed in random shots of Ozzy. Actually, but, but. I'm, 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 uh, the only reason I'm going to disagree with you on that is if you do watch the video. Yeah. The, remember I was talking about how it, it makes Crazy Train turn joyful almost, right? Yep. The video has clips, these almost sketch drawings of Ozzy that came from his... He remade Crazy Train at one point and uh, re-released it 
uh, much later than it was originally done. And he had that smile, that menacing, like, smile. Right, right, right. When you see him smile in this video with Earth, Wind, and Fire's groove playing in the background, it looks like he's having a good time. (laughs) Touche. Touche. I'll have to go back and watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's cool. Go back and watch it. And I I also want to uh, point out, you are absolutely right that when you do look at mashups on a fairly regular basis, there is a ton of really, really bad stuff out yeah, there. Yeah. Really, really bad. People just slam stuff together and call it, call it a day. And it's, it, it doesn't add up to anything new other than, Oh, that's this song plus this song. When you see something like this, you realize how complete when it's done right. Yep. A new thing can emerge. And it really, and it's just, I, I love it. it I fucking re- love it. Yeah, it really does. Sometimes to the point where it's so good, where it, if you're listening to one of the songs by itself, it makes you kind of want to hear the mashup. That that happens a lot for our our favorite uh, DJ that we've talked about a zillion times, though maybe not on the podcast. Uh, Girl Talk. The, there's a guy who goes by the handle yeah. Girl Talk. He hasn't put out anything in in many years, but he used to do entire albums of mashup, and and they are just genius. That's another little tip. Go, and they're all free to download on on the internet. Just uh, Google Girl Talk, and Spotify you'll find even it. has them. Yeah, Spotify that's right. Has like a few couple of I think was his best. And he, by the way, I don't think he wants to do it anymore. I think he's out. He's just had it, and now he just wants to be a rap producer. Well, fuck you, girl. Shit. Talk you owe us. Come on. Um, but, Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, that, but that us. some, but sometimes what he did is it's like, well, I didn't used to like this song, and now I love it because he put it underneath this hip hop beat or something. Um, here's here's an interesting tidbit for you. I always, when I heard those mashups in the past, I used to say to myself, how do they do it? Because there must be some music industry thing or some special machine where they like remove. The, they, they isolate the vocals on a song, and like schmucks like you and I can't do that. But I noticed recently, if you go on YouTube and you Google like vocal track only, there's a shitload of them. So I challenge oh, you, really? I challenge you, Mike Wolf, could you do your own mashup? You know, it's possible. It's possible now because you take the take the vocal track of a song you want to use, and then you know, and there are pl- also plenty of instrumental versions of songs online. I might try my hand at that. In a future episode, you might be hearing mm. one, and it might suck. All right, yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, stay, stay tuned. tuned. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. It'll right. be ugly, but that's okay. All right, should we do my or good stuff? Yeah, what's mine's, yours, mine's painfully obvious because most people have seen this by my down, but we haven't talked about it, and I'd like to. It's the Finding Neverland uh, Michael Jackson documentary on HBO, two parts. Um, uh, just gripping, compelling. In a nutshell, I'll give you my thoughts, and I want to hear a few of yours. Um, I was always... Uh, I, I, I guess on the fence. Um, I didn't want to be naive about um, damning a guy who commonly had young boys sleep in his room. Uh, I always thought there's still a chance that he's just this creepy guy with this Peter Pan syndrome where he just wants to hang out with kids. And if anyone could be that creepy guy, creepy but but not uh, you know a, ped- a pedophile, it could be Michael Jackson. And talk about the power of a documentary. You know, the um, one of the the men who was molested. I'm going to forget his name already, but the the one who's the choreographer, and you know, he appeared on Matt Lauer several years ago, uh, along with bringing a lawsuit against uh, the estate of Michael Jackson, um, saying he was uh, molested over a course of you know eight years or something. And I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that. Like it, it kind of came and went. And everybody said, oh, someone's accusing Michael Jackson again. Nothing's ever really been proven. This documentary comes out, to me, 
it, the, the, it's over. Case closed. I'm, it, it, it is such detail on this thing. And I was riveted to it and saddened. What about you? Had the exact same <laughs> reaction. On, I mean, it is, it is uh, gripping and depressing and dark. Um, I think the two guys they profile are incredibly believable. Yes. Um, you, I, I can't see the reason for them to be um, creating their stories, especially considering how perfectly they aligned are with each other. Um, just, and they didn't know each other. Um, yep. That, and I had the same reaction thinking inwardly that, well, first of all, when you see Matt Lauer now do interviews, it's like when these flashbacks oh. to Matt Lauer, that opens up a whole nother thing when yeah, you yeah. see him. It's, um, the, it's the height, you know. it's the height of but, irony. Yeah. It's the height of irony. Yeah. I, I turned to my wife while we were watching that part and, and said, oh, my God, this we already knew this, but we didn't we care right, we to believe it until it was packaged in a way that had gravity. Exactly. And look, you and I know that documentaries from our background are, you know, we were brilliant communication students <laughs> at the University of Pennsylvania. Yes, we took um, film When classes. we decided actually to go to class, right. Right. Um, Documentaries by nature can be manipulative and they have points of view and that all mm. isn't always uh, in the purpose of being um, fair and balanced, right? And the Michael right. Jackson camp apparently is upset that the quote other side of this story isn't present on that. They don't, the, the documentary doesn't work to try to counter any of their accusations. Not necessarily, but, right. So you have to, and you know, it doesn't do what a lot of documentaries do where they put in a psychiatrist to talk about, you know, the general feelings and things like that, um, whether it should be believable and what kind of trauma patients, it's just those two guys story, right? but it is so believable and so um, self damning in a way that you, 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 even though it's about them, you can't help but look at yourself and say, why wasn't I believing or i shouldn't say believing because i was like you it's like oh, maybe this and right. but you just didn't care to to really consider it right and when the first guy was acquitted at trial you kind of just said oh good so now i can go back listening to off the wall and not give a shit right now ugh, it's a little on the Tough yeah, it's so for yeah for this is where I am for 48 hours after watching the thing, I legitimately said, I don't think I can listen to his music anymore, or I don't think I can listen without 48 hours without thinking. And, and then it started to sort of fade a little bit, and um, you know, there's to to me it, it takes you down a, a dangerous road. In other words, I mean, you know, I will play the song not often but the song like Gary Glitter Rock and Roll Part 2 whatever that song is called you know you know that song you know he's he I think is a pedophile you know uh, if I'm not mistaken I should yeah. I should probably look that up before I say it on a podcast but um, you know Pete Pete Townsend was implicated or at least accused of child pornography um, it, it's like if, if it's a road that if you go down it's a dangerous road it's 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 you know it's the art you get separate the art from the person um, although I'll say that I'll say that you know he him hiding this was at one with him cultivating his image as a savior of children and that's detestable I this is how I've reconciled it I, yep. I think now we're getting scholarly again I think <laughs> art you know creativity whatever has a right to live on its own that it, right. it can be its own separate thing. Mm -hmm. But as you um, experience the art, it also has the right to change. So 
you know, we talked about Joy before with the with the mashup video. When I heard, anytime I heard, you know, want to be starting something or don't stop till you get enough, I would experience a certain level of joy and release myself to it. Mm-hmm. I am still allowing myself to listen to that music, but there is no way that I am going to experience the same level of joy doing so. I don't think you should ban it. Give it time. I don't think it should no longer be played. But if I'm a DJ at a bar mitzvah, and normally I would put on Don't Stop Till You Get Enough to get the old people like us dancing, embarrassingly, with an overbite and the, you know, the sprinkler. Yep. Now I have to know that there's going to be less of a um, an excitement as I do so. So I, would, I think yeah. there is going to be a huge impact. But I'm not deleting it from my iPods. I'm not no longer listening to it. But I know that the experience of listening to it has changed probably forever. Check check yeah. again in a year or two right. and see what happens. But it's a shame. Right? It, it, yeah, it's, it is exactly that. And uh, I mean, I think these guys... I hope these guys got a, a degree of relief from telling their story because I hope they got something out of this whole thing because it took incredibly bravery to talk about in such detail. But um, they, they, I think, good for them, trusted the documentarian. And to me, it came out, um, you know, so so compelling. But to go back, yeah, to go back to the music thing, I, I wonder whether I used to. Um, DJ weddings at bar mitzvahs and if I were still doing it I would actually ask the people beforehand is it okay if I play Michael Jackson because a lot of them are going to say no right. yeah a lot of them are going to say yeah. no it's unbelievable well especially right now I mean you know I, I, I'm yeah. wondering if Sirius XM is still playing his songs yeah, I don't know. even on you know on the radio right now I don't I don't know yeah I don't know and there's it's, definitely like a mourning period where you probably shouldn't and then right. coming out of it there's a permission thing that probably needs to be granted yeah so it, it's you could almost draw a comparison to the confederate um you know soldiers uh, monuments coming down um so bear with me like that that i'm okay mm. with that i'm okay with that because the the statues were erected in the first place to honor what what they did like on a battlefield which included apparent you know doing some terrible things that we now recognize are wrong right and fighting for things that are wrong if if there is a statue of Michael Jackson which there are in places I think I heard tale of one of them being taken down um, is that up there for his music or is that up there for what he was as a person see that's the question. It, it's not black and yeah, white, a statue, right? Yeah. A statue tends to recognize the individual. Right. So I, that, I'm less comfortable with that than still having his music played on the radio. How about the or, Rock and Roll? Know, Hall, how about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Have they weighed in on this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's you know that's really interesting because they do you know the, a lot of either Hall of Fames or or um, uh, you know. Uh, universities will ha- will honor certain people whatever they will drop people from their boards from their yeah. honorees things like that after scandal breaks right yeah. i haven't heard a thing about the rock and roll hall of fame you it's know tricky remember yeah. he hasn't been proven guilty in a court of law that's it's true. just the pu- court of public opinion yep so maybe you're right it's a slippery slope so you know you, um you know what I would find amusing is if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame says we choose to keep Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five um, in the Hall of Fame to recognize their art form because it, we can find it separate from the actions of one individual. Imagine if they did that somewhere. Pete Rose would go, "What the fuck? Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> 
What do I have to do here? It's the Pete Rose. It's a matter of was it before or after? If if Michael Jackson was eligible for the Hall of Fame next year, he's not getting in. Oh, no question. Yeah, no question. He's not. But he's in now. He's there. His music still stands. Bill Cosby was still hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very difficult to listen to his stuff now although less difficult in a sense because it like michael jackson's music it doesn't directly apply to what he was um what he was accused of as opposed to when you listen to like i don't know louis ck do sexual bits it, it becomes a little bit more like Eeeh. yeah but, um by the way if you if I you go if you, I, yeah if you go back and listen to some of louis ck's louis ck <laughs> stuff it was all there he had comedy bits about how men by their nature just want to spray their seed on women and he would do the, you know, you know, and, um, (laughs) it was, it was all there. Um, and so, yeah, but you know, we thought it was an act. I mean, just like, you know, well, it it was an act and it was a little bit of truth embedded in there, but I don't, I don't know. My, I, I'm on, I might be on an Island with Louis CK. I, I I think he, he has gotten a raw deal. Um, to the extent that he uh, used his position as a powerful comedian to lure women, if that's what happened, then I, I don't forgive him at all. But I just, knowing the facts that we know, I wonder whether that was his, this, was this just his way of making a sexual advance on women? And he, in his which act. It, which it was. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and he talks about how he was a, a pathetic with women as he was growing up. And maybe he's just still not that good at it. And he thought, I can do this. Maybe they'll think it's cool. You know, <laughs> they obviously well, didn't. Dave, th- that's why Louis C.K. is coming back. He is. He's slowly. Back. Slowly. Bill Cosby. Well, yeah. Bill Cosby's in jail. So that's right. a different story. But, you know, the Cosbys, you know, if Michael Jackson were still alive, those. Yeah. Weinstein. That, they're not. Weinstein. They, yeah. they're, they're done. They're yeah. finished because it involved assault and it involved um, literally, you know, illegal sexual activity mm-hmm. um where you know louis ck was just an embarrassment pervert you know there are yeah. plenty of perverts out there who you know end up being able to transcend it for some reason whether fair or not he's he's coming back so I has think. so has um, his has so has his apparent expulsion from the world of entertainment you know over the past year plus has it been fair or unfair fair um, to some extent, because I think it, it, he, he did things that I think he now even admits that was, were wrong. He didn't see them as power politics. Yeah. So I think they, they deserve to be a price to be paid and he needed to think about what that represented and how to act. Um, he's apparently done some comedy bits at local comedy clubs and stuff, got in trouble for one of them because he was basically railing against liberals, you know, yeah. for coming down on it. I know. But, um, know, yeah. which is tough because he now, was, now he was my favorite comedian. He was my favorite period. Yeah. I want him to come back. I do too. But knowing what his material is like, it might be hard. It might be hard. I know. I hope he's allowed, at least allowed to come back because he was placed on, um, figurative, if not literal blacklists and just could, just couldn't get work. His TV show was brilliant. I thought it was it was oh, like it, it was like curb your enthusiasm, but with even more of a heart. Uh, his his show that he did, which now the name will escape me, but did you see the the, the show he did in like it was like an eight part series shot sort of as a play with um, Steve Buscemi uh, and Alan Alda? It yeah, took place it was in a online. bar. He sold yes, it. Yes, that's like, right. He sold it online only. I never watched it. Oh, it was brilliant. 
just so it and not really a comedy. There are funny moments, but it was just it was just about life and all of its and mistakes people make and and it, very dark show, but just just excellent. And so I thought he was a uh, you know a cut above in terms of comedy. He was I, an auteur with, in a yeah. sense, and maybe he still is. You know, it, there's a show of his that's still on the air now, which is awkward. Um, and it's it's exactly like Louis. It's a show called Better Things. Um, yeah. The woman named Pamela Adlon, who was in Louis with him as one of his love interests. Yeah. Across um, across two of his shows. Across produced, two of his shows she was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And he's um, he's the producer and directed and written, wrote m- many of the first two seasons of episodes. And it's exactly like Louis. It's sort of this sweet kind of dark humor funny thing about uh, in this case a woman and her family which is incredibly odd considering you know what he's been accused of and his disrespect for women etc etc but watch better things i mean i know we've gone off on a tangent here but that's that's cool if you want a taste of louis ck without feeling guilty about it yeah watch it because you'll see him in her i absolutely will a hundred percent yeah, I was aware of the show. I frankly, I took one look at it and I said I like her, but I, I bet just she's not enough to carry a show. But for you, I will, I will check it out. Um, it, but but going in, know that it's like Louis. It's not. It's a slow kind of methodical look at real life. Yeah, but it's it's worth it. I like right. it a lot. I'm in. Cool. Um, good. Let's wrap this up. Those are good things. Let's wrap this up. Good work, Milt. A plus today. As far as you know, you have no idea what I'm going to say with you after we hang up. Uh, did you enjoy yourself today? I did. It's a little early. We, we're taping this earlier in the morning right. than we normally do. We normally have a drink while we're doing our podcast. Instead, I'm having caffeine, which is not the same. You may have to uh, reconsider, but we'll see. I um, I begrudgingly agree with you. We need, <laughs> we, need, we need at least you know a couple of fingers of whiskey in us before we get rolling. Uh, we promise that next time. Drink more, more humor, and more uh, jam-packed fun on Enemy Lines and on the Boston Podcast. So thanks for listening today. A reminder, please share this podcast with a friend or a colleague if you dig it. Check out all the stuff we have at pod617.com. And you should really get your own podcast. Be part of the pod revolution, my friends, and pod we trust. Thanks for listening, guys, and enjoy your day, Boston. Boston. This being milk.